Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Amen. Can you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise as you're being seated today? Remember, giving is an act of worship, so... You didn't miss the opportunity to give today. I know we're mixing it up a little bit, but anytime you can get up and give in those boxes or give online today. Thank you for your faithfulness. I want to speak a word to you today from 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now I want to ask you in reverence of God's word and in reverence of the spirit of God to keep the moving down to a minimum. Okay. 2 Samuel chapter 9. If you'll turn my mic down just a hair, I'd feel more comfortable. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Today, this is not a complicated word. In fact, I don't think any of the words that I preach are complicated because I'm not really a very complicated person. I like it straightforward and to the point and simple. Some of you say, say, well, Pastor, it takes you forever to get to the point. And, uh, well, maybe so. Second Samuel chapter 9, I want to say this before we get started today, though, that with the word that seven people gave their life to Jesus this morning in the 9 o'clock service. Amen. David has just defeated the Moabites, the Philistines, and the Syrians. He is now the king of Israel. And the Lord begins to deal with David. And let me just say this, David is a type and shadow of Jesus. When we read the Old Testament, Jesus has not yet been a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and all that. That's going to happen couple thousand years later, but David is a type and a shadow of one to come. David was the greatest king of Israel. He was the one anointed by the prophet Samuel. And we're going to see Jesus in chapter 9. Not only are you going to see Jesus in chapter 9, you're going to see yourself in chapter 9. Not only are you going to see yourself in chapter 9, but you're going to see your condition in chapter 9, okay? So let's read. David asked, is there anyone remaining in the family of Saul so that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Now Jonathan is the best friend, deceased best friend of David. Jonathan was Saul's son. Saul is no longer king. Saul Saul disobeyed God. In fact, the Bible tells us in Saul's dealing with the Amalekites that God's anointing was removed from Saul. And and so Saul was no longer, had already been taken off the seat as king as far as God's mind, in God's mind. But it took some time in the natural. And now David is king. Saul's no longer king. And Saul is dead. Jonathan is dead. This is David's best friend, uh, Saul's son. 
And David, after defeating all of the enemies and entering into a time of rest, he thinks about how can I honor my covenant with my best friend? And he says, I want to show kindness to anybody that's left in the house of Saul. So someone says, well, Ziba was a servant in Saul's house. Maybe you could ask him. Let's read it. I don't want to tell you all about it. Let's just read about it. David asked, is there anyone remaining from the family of Saul that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? There was a servant of Saul's family named Ziba. They summoned him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? I am your servant, he replied. So the king asked, Is there anyone left of Saul's family that I can show kindness to, the kindness of God to? Ziba said to the king, There is still Jonathan's son who was injured in both feet. The king asked him, well, where's he at? Ziba answered the king, you'll find him in a place called Lodabar, at the house of Machir, son of Amiel. So King David had him brought from the house of Machir, son of Amiel, to Lodabar. Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, fell face down to pay homage and then David called him by name, Mephibosheth. I am your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I am going to restore you, all of your grandfather's fields and you will always eat meals at my table. And then I want to bring you to the last part of verse 11. The last part of verse 11. So Mephibosheth, read this with me, ate at David's table just like one of the king's sons. See, in this, in this chapter 9, I see myself. Let me show you how I see myself. So here you've got, you've got Mephibosheth, uh, <clears throat> who is mentioned. When, when, when David says, is there anybody I can show kindness to in Saul's house? The servant says, well, there is a guy by the name of Mephibosheth. Ziba said, but he's injured in both feet. See, he was dropped as a child. He was dropped by one of his nurses as an infant, as a, as a baby. Running, he was dropped, and he fell, and the fall crippled his feet. Medicine's not the same as it is today. I'm sure that it was something that could have probably been repaired, reversed. But this fall that he had as a child crippled him. He took this crippleness from a little baby into his life. And, he's, and you see here kind of the negative connotation is actually, hey, yeah, there's somebody left, but he's, he's, he's crippled. He's experienced a fall. I want to know if there's anybody in here who has experienced a fall in their life. 
Yeah, I see most of you saying yes, but can I tell you all of us have experienced a crippling fall. Romans chapter uh, 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody has experienced in this building today, has experienced a fall, a fall that will cripple you, a fall that will break you, a fall that will alienate you. And it's not something you've done. It's something you're born into. You are crippled from birth by sin. He said, well, there's still, there's Jonathan's son, but he was, he's injured in both feet. So the king asked him, where is he? Ziba answered, you'll find him in Lodabar. Interesting. That Lodabar means, Lodabar means a place of nothingness. He said, well, who is he? What's this guy's name? He said, well, his name is Mephibosheth which is also interesting, which means a man full of shame. So here you've got this man, crippled man, from a place called nowhere, full of shame. I don't know. I don't know. It does me a little different than it does you. I can, I can tell. So it's a cripple nobody from nowhere who is full of shame. I don't know about you, but that was me. I was crippled by sin, a nobody from nowhere full of shame. But thank God there was a king who wanted to show kindness to me. I thought so. said, watch his name. He said, Mephibosheth. And watch the posture of Mephibosheth. The Bible says that he falls down. He's called. Now, this is important, too. See, it was a custom, Jamie, of that day for the king, the new king, to wipe out the family of the old king. That was just the way it was because you didn't want a threat of the old dynasty taking over the new king and his dynasty and his authority. So they would put them all to death. So now watch this. Not only is this a cripple nobody from nowhere full of shame, he's a cripple nobody from nowhere full of shame in hiding. Isn't it amazing how we'll hide from the very thing that can help us? We'll hide from the very one that can help us. We'll run everywhere and to everyone except to the one that can help us. Can I get somebody to help me preach this morning? We'll run everywhere to everyone, to every place, but to the one who can make a difference in our lives. <laughs> so here this man's hiding. So Mephibosheth is scared to death. Thinking, well, they found me. They sent Zeba to get me. And he is carried, crippled, carried, placed in front of David. And he lays out before David. Notice the posture of Mephibosheth. 
See, in order for you to receive the goodness of God, you've got to graciously receive His grace. You cannot go to God. I don't care how long, even after you've been saved, there's no time where you can go to God full of yourself. Like you're just paying Him a visit. No, when you go to God in prayer, when you go to God in fellowship, you go to God down on your knees. You humble yourself so that he may exalt you. You wake up every morning remembering you are from Lodabar, a nobody, a cripple, going no place but down, but the goodness of God rescued you. And if it had not been for God, if it had not been for the Lord, where would I be? Phibosheth comes and falls face down, pays homage to David, and then David calls him by name. Instead of getting the sword, he hears his name. Mephibosheth. And he answered, I am your servant. Then David says, understanding that he is scared, David says, do not be afraid. Hear me, saints of God, new covenant Christians. That's what the perfect love of a good king says. It says perfect love cast out all fear. You, don't, you go to God humbly and you go to God reverently, but you don't have to go to God scared. He is a good God. He is a good king. Now let me tell you something. Goodness is on this side. Grace is on this side of heaven. Don't expect to live in sin all your life and not get things right on this side of eternity and expect to meet a merciful and gracious God because you won't. His eyes will be like fire. He'll know every motive and everything and why you've done everything that you've done. And all the grace is on this side. But he's a God of judgment on that side. But I'm telling you right now, you do not have to be scared. You can receive what God has for you. I don't care how long you've been crippled. I don't care how long you've been in a load of bar by yourself or nobody from nowhere. I'm telling you, the king wants you today. Why? To show kindness to you. And it's the kindness of God that leads a man unto repentance. <laughs> Don't be afraid, David said to him. I intend to show kindness. I intend to show kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. See, this is the gospel. God, who has every right to wipe you out. And me. We're a disobedient, rebellious people. We are no better than the ancient world of Israel. Rebelling against God. Repenting. Him restoring us. And then we go right back to rebelling. And just like God wiped people out in the Old Testament, he should wipe us out today. But he's looking for someone to show goodness for Christ's sake. Why? Because God, in the middle of our mess, while we were yet sinners, God sent his son Jesus to be our sin. 
He who knew no sin, becoming our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Explain why he chose you. You don't know. The only reason you can come up with is because God is better than we are. Because he is good. God said, I want to, and listen, listen, listen. And that's the story. Hey, that's the story. He said, go get Zeba. He said, go get Zeba and let Zeba go get Mephibosheth. Go to Lodabar. And I think Zeba is a picture of the Holy Spirit who will go lengths that you are not willing to go, to go places that you are not willing to go. Why? To get your sorry, no good. Help me, son. You know it's the truth. Your lying, rebellious self. I don't know anything like this gospel, this goodness of God. I am not worthy. I am not good. There is nothing about me good. I I do good things for wrong reasons sometimes. Now and then I'll do a good thing for the right reason. But I'm telling you right now, God is sending his Holy Spirit to chase you down, to send Zeba your way. Even if he's got to go to Lodabar, he'll go to Lodabar. He'll go to Fargo. He'll go to Hoboken. He'll go to your house. He'll go to the bar. Help me somebody. He'll go to the crack house. Well, glory. He'll go to the outhouse. He'll go to your house to bring you out. Y'all can't handle this. Lord, I know I can't. Oh, hallelujah. All right. He'll go to Lodabar to get you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you are so full of yourself, you forgot who you were before you got saved. You think, man, I got me a PhD in church. And that's about what you got, is a PhD in church. You don't never cry about the Lord. Um, don't do this. You don't never seek the face of the Lord. You don't never, are never hungry for the Lord. You don't ever get down beside your bed on your knees and cry out to God. You don't ever get in your closet and shut the door and Cry out until God reaches you and you reach God. Don't tell me you're thankful. Don't tell me you love him. Don't tell me you're, yeah, I know it. No, I'm telling you, you need to get a revival of, of 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 a hunger for God. You need to get a revival of a reminder of what God has done for you. And the only reason you are saved is because of his goodness. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. And when that's on the forefront of your mind, you know what you're going to do? You're going to tell people about Jesus. When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? Let me tell you, if your gospel's all screwed up and you don't understand the gospel, you won't tell people about Jesus because you don't think they're good enough. I had somebody, I heard somebody say the other day, I heard somebody say, and it's 11 o'clock, I'm getting a little loose in here now because I'm on a time schedule in the night. But I I heard somebody say, so-and-so got saved. Somebody in this church, well, they got saved. And then somebody said, who don't go to this church, and I'm glad. (laughs) Not really. I wish they would. But anyway, besides that. But then I'm kind of glad they don't. But they said, well, they got saved, but... I hope they can do it. What you mean you hope they can do it? What does that mean? I hope they can do it. No, they can't do it. 
But they, 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 they can't do it. Jesus done it. Jesus, what are you talking about? You hope they can do it. What does that mean? You hope they can do it. I know I can't do it. But over 2,000 years, God done it for me. And he changed my life. I don't care what I used to do. I'm not who I used to be. Somebody ought to give God praise. I can't do it on my own. Huh. I don't, and see, if, you, if your gospel's screwed up, if you don't have the right gospel, you won't tell everybody about Jesus because you're only going to pick the ones you think would, could, can do it. Whatever that means. You got to get to a place where you know you can't do it for you never get it. <laughs> well, Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David. He fell face down. I am your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid. I intend to show kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And now listen, he said, I will restore you. I don't care how long you've been doing what you've been doing. I don't care how much you've lost. Is there anybody could testify to say, he not only is he a redeemer, but he's a restorer. Anybody? He's a restorer. He will, he will give to you not only what you was stolen from you, but what you gave up. What you gave up. <laughs> See, you don't know the stories in here. I don't know all of them. But when I look across this small crowd today, because it is, when I look across this crowd today, I still see, I don't see people, I do, but I see stories. When I see these people today, I see stories of restoration. I see testimonies of miracles. When I get up here and preach, I need to see that. You know why? Because it fires me up. It strengthens my resolve. It reminds me that this isn't just words, but this is, this is actually power that changes lives. I see people who have been literally snatched out of darkness. I know stories of people who were in witchcraft. Yeah, bondages of darkness who have been delivered and set free by the power of God. You never know they were there. You never know they were involved in that. He said, well, they don't look like it. No, they don't look like it because that's what God can do. That's how he does it. I You don't look like what you've been through because God's a restore. Hallelujah. Somebody right now just lift your hands and thank God for his restoration right now. Can you do that? God, I thank you right now that you are a restorer, God. You are a restorer, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, I'll restore you. And you will always eat meals at my table. Well, that's, that's good. And then at the very end of verse 11, look what it says. So Mephibosheth, end of, verse 11, 
The last part of verse 11. Hurry, we're real quick. Put up verse 11. There it is. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table just like one of the king's sons. Now, don't you know? See, Mephibosheth was given great grace. And he was given a place at the king's table. Not only for temporarily, he said, always you'll have a place at the king's table. And up under that table, his crippleness was hidden. But don't you know, when he got out from the table and he had to be helped, in the palace and he was walking with a limp there was somebody who said hey you know that that ain't that ain't David's son yeah I know some of y'all know cause some of y'all just like them people hey that that ain't that 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 look he's got a limp that that's Saul's grand that's Saul's granddad bo- grand boy that's Jonathan, son. You know the only reason he's here is called Jonathan and David was good friends. <laughs> Y'all can hear that, right? That's why he got that limp because he was dropped, fell. He ain't, a, he, ain't a, he ain't David. He ain't our family. He's just in here because David and Jonathan's good friends. But when he was up under that table, at the table, He looked just like one of the king's sons. Why? Because his crippleness was hidden. Colossians chapter 3 verse 3 says, My life is, all of it, is hidden with God. You see, there was something about being clothed under the table with that tablecloth hiding you. It's kind of what the Bible talks about when he says, you are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. In other words, when you get saved, all your crip, when you come to the table, all your brokenness, all your crippleness, all your shame is hidden under the righteousness of Christ. And you know what you look like? You look just like Jesus. That's who you look like, clothed with his righteousness. That's what the Bible says. You put on the armor of who? Of who? Of God. That's God's clothes. You're clothed with his righteousness. And when God sees you, he sees Jesus. He doesn't say, hey, that, that right there, that's, you know, that's, Saul, that's Saul's grandboy cripple. You know what God says? You see that boy? You see him? That's my son. You see her? That's my daughter. 
he doesn't see the crippleness. He doesn't see the shame. Oh, he could, but he chooses not to. Because he accepted the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, over 2,000 years ago. And when he sees me, he sees his son. Mm. Why? Because he's a good father. Let me tell you about a king that's greater than King David. His name's King Jesus. And he is inviting you to his table today. I don't know if you've gotten away from the table or if you've never come to the table, but I'm talking to one of the two in here this morning. And I'm telling you this morning, if you have walked away from the table, let me rest assure you, he's still served on the menu. He's still serving mercy on the menu. He's still serving grace. And you still have a chair at this table. Nobody got away from it. Nobody put it in a closet. It's got your name on it. And let me just do some talking for the Lord today. Come home. Come back to the table. God wants to show kindness to you. Then maybe you're saying, well, I never sat at the table. Well, good for you. Today, God is extending an invitation. Now, there's plenty. There's plenty that will make excuses. They'll say, I don't have time. You know, Luke chapter 14. Have you ever read that chapter? Luke chapter 14. Yes. We did last week, all of us. We read the whole chapter. I preached the whole chapter. Do you remember that? Well, so yes, you have. And do you remember Jesus gave the parable? He said, the invitation is like a host hosting a party. He gives an invite, and he invited the people. He said, the banquet's ready. Come, and everybody gave an excuse. One said, lame excuses at that. One said, well... I don't, uh, I just bought some land and I haven't seen it. I need to go see it. One said, I bought some oxen and I hadn't tried them out. I need to go check them out. Another said, I just got married and there ain't no way I can come. And you know what the, the parable goes on to say? It says, well, then the host got angry, but he still was inviting. And he told the servant, like Zeba, he, see how it all connects? He said, go into Lodabar. Go to the highways and the hedges. To the place where people are there that nobody wants. The marginalized and the the outcasts and the broken, the maimed, the poor, the lame. That's what the Bible says. And invite them to come so that my house may be filled. Somebody ought to say, thank you, Lord. That's me. That is me. Me, I am one of them. I want you to look at your neighbor right now. Now, this ain't going to help your neighbor, but it's going to make you feel good. Are you ready? Look at him and tell him, you are lame. (laughs) See? See that? I feel good. (laughs) Some of y'all better not say it. Some of y'all better not say it. But you better find the one you can say it to. Like, nah. Like, you are so lame, bro. <laughs> you give it back I to me. Have a partner to say <laughs> All of y'all's lame. Every one of y'all. So lame. Yep, true, true. But so loved. So loved. 
He looked beyond my faults. He looked beyond my crippleness. He looked beyond my shame. And said, I want you to come to my table to show kindness. Can anybody get past this right now? Is anybody, can you just get over the love of God? Does it make you, you know what it makes you want to do? Invite somebody, don't it? When you go into this, it's been said, lost and dying world, it makes you want to go and take this pure, wonderful, grace-driven, mercy-driven gospel to the hurting and the lost and the broken. Because you don't look at them and say, well, you don't measure up. Well, you got a little limp in your walk. Well, you got this issue. You got this addiction. You got... Listen, God can change all of that. One touch of God. Who do you think you were before you got saved? Some of you still got some issues. Come on, somebody. You got some places where you fall short, but God hasn't kicked you out of the table, out of the room. No, he wants you. Because you know what? There's something that happens when you're in constant fellowship and communication with him. You'll begin to let go of the hang-ups. You'll begin to loosen the little chains of bondage. You'll begin to loosen off of you. Why? Because you realize how good it is and how, how bad it was. You really don't know how bad it was until you learn how good it can be. The psalmist David said, taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to tell you this morning as the musicians and the singers come. And I don't know if you can work this out or not. If you can, it's fine. If you can't, whatever. But if you could, if y'all could do that, the blood song. Not, not the one that Megan sings the verse song. I want you to look at me real good now. They've got up here and they're there and I know. Now look at me. I want to tell you, if you have left the table, come back. This season of ministry for me in the last year has been, and maybe some of you are listening online, I don't know, it's been rough. Because I have like a child, uh, like a father who has lost its children. In a store, the frantic and the panic and the heartbreak that it would cause. Yeah, like a shepherd who has lost his sheep and the sheep have become scattered. I need no excuse. I need no back story. I'm just saying come home. 
I don't need to know why. You don't have to prepare anything. And some of you are thinking, some of you are thinking, I just don't know if I could ever walk back into that church. I've been gone so long. What do you mean? Come. The only thing somebody's going to say to you is, I love you. No shame. No guilt. No, we don't need to know what happened yesterday or last night or two weeks ago or six months ago. We just want you to come home and take a seat at the table. And then for the person who's never had a seat, who, who has never experienced the blessing that comes with fellowship. Some of you are thinking, well, I'm, I got too much stuff in my life. God doesn't want me. Oh, yes, he does. Just to show kindness to you. He loves you. And there's a, there's a table and there's a chair with your name on it. Stand with me all across the building. I would ask, and I'm not even going to look. I'm going to ask you right now to get still somewhere. Because this is the most important time of this service. So no moving, no shifting around. Okay. Someone this morning, just like seven people did in the first service, can go from death to life by just responding and accepting this invitation to the table. Hmm. This is what I want to do because this song has been on my mind. Don't you like this song? I want you to sing that verse. I want you to listen to the words of this verse. And then, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the invitation. Sing it. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. Yes. I was lost, I was blind, I was running out of time. Sin separated, the breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your side. So you made a way. Across the great divide, left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside. And there at the cross, you paid the debt I owe, broke my chains, freed my soul for the first time. I Jesus for the blood. 
listen. Every, every head bowed, every eye closed. You heard, that's the gospel in song. The gospel is Jesus just wants to show you goodness and kindness. God does. Because that's all he can give you because what you deserve is hell. But he's giving you an invitation to life. What you've got to do now is say, I'm done with the old life. I want Jesus more than anything else. I need Jesus more than anything else. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Now this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to call you out to the front. Not today. Not saying I wouldn't do it some other time. But I'm telling you today, I got the mind of God, I think. And what I'm going to ask you to do, if you have walked away from the table, or if you have never been to the table, what I'm saying is if you have drifted away from God, you know what I'm saying. Or if you have never known a relationship with Him. If you're online right now and you're watching me, this goes for you too. I'm asking you to respond today. How can you respond online? All you got to do is say, remember me in prayer. That's all you got to do. So if you have never been to the table or you have drifted away, see, here's the thing now. There could be a question of, would God accept me? And the answer's already been given. The Bible tells us that he will put no man to shame. The invitation is to everyone. And he's just waiting on you to accept that invitation. So right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. This is what we're going to do in an act of faith. You'll have to swallow your pride now. <laughs> but I'd rather you swallow your pride than live in hell for eternity. And you would too. So in an act of faith, instead of coming down to an altar, you're going to raise your hand like the woman who grabbed the hem of his garment. You're going to stretch out your hand and say, Lord, I need you. I'm coming back to the table or I've never been and I'm coming to the table. If that's you right now, lift your hand right now. Lift it high. There's hands. Get cards into these hands right now. Right now. They're going to give you a card. Lift it up. Lift it up. Lift it up high. Give them a card. Lift it. If you ain't got a card, lift it high. Lift it high. Move quick, connectors. Did you get a card? Anybody else? If you didn't get a card, raise your hand. If you didn't get a card and you need a card, raise your hand. Hallelujah. See, what I said last week was when you raise your hand, it's Je I picture Jesus grabbing your hand. I'm not going to ask you this because I, don't, because I think there wasn't a good number or anything like that. I, it has nothing to do with number right now. It has to do with me being a servant of God 
and God telling his servant, whether it was in the Old Testament, it being Zeba, or if it was in a parable, Jesus speaking from a table, I feel like I'm, I've come to Jesus and, say, and said, everything, everything that you told me to do, God, I've done, but there's still more room. And then one more time, y'all, he said, go back into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. So online, and one more time in this crowd, I'm gonna do it again. It's biblical. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If God's dealing with you, he's dealing with me as a servant to say one more time, if you didn't raise your hand and you need to raise your hand today, you need to step, take that step of faith today and come to the table. If that's you right now, raise your hand. One more time, one more time. There, one more time, if you didn't already raise your hand, raise it, raise it. Right here, this guy raised his hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Online, listen, this call goes for you today. Just, just type in, remember me. I'm coming home. Remember me. I'm coming to the table. Remember me. Hallelujah. Now I want you to look at me right now all across this building. Hallelujah. If you, if you raised your hand today, the question is not whether, is, is not if God will accept me or not. That, that's already been done. It's already been accepted. That's already final. If you'll come to Him with humility and brokenness. He will accept you. He will in no way put you to shame. So we're all going to pray this prayer together. If there was somebody that you know raised their hand today, they were somewhere around you, connector, you gave them a card. Would you find that person and just put your arms around them now? Just put your hand on their shoulder. Just show them some love right now. Can we do that? The Bible says that they'll know that we're His disciples because of the love that we have for one another. Would you step out right now? If they raise their hand, there you go. See, here's the deal. We've been missing you at the table. And it's time to be back in the family around the table. Look at Pastor now. Those of online, listen to what I'm saying. Look at me today. We're going to pray this prayer. And if you believe this with your whole heart, the Lord, you'll come back in the right relationship with God. For those of you who have never been to the table, you're saved. A child of the living God. So we're going to say this prayer. You're going to repeat it out loud and believe by faith. And then after you do that, your next step is to learn about your new identity in Christ, which is New Believers Small Group every Monday night at 7 o'clock. 
now. Let's pray. Say, Lord, here I am. I've heard the word, your invitation. It spoke to me. I know you're calling me. I know you want me. And I need you. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died for me, that you rose again for me. I receive your grace. I receive your love. I receive your mercy. I'm at the table. I'm never leaving. I'm going to I'm going to live for you. Fellowship with you. Commune with you. Have relationship with you. You're my God. My king, my savior. I turn away from my old way of living. I turn away from the things of this world and I live for you. Jesus name. Amen. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.